Welcome everyone back to the Duck Pond Wall, the show here on WEHC where we get to sit down as if we were on the Duck Pond Wall and catch up with someone from Emory and Henry, find out about some jobs, find out about some projects, find out, you know, you know how you do on the Duck Pond Wall, Chris, you sit out there and you catch up with each other, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I have a, a vivid memory of the Duck Pond Wall uh, and the Duck Pond itself I had for one one semester, maybe just over one semester, what I considered the best view of campus when I lived in um, Carragher Hall. I could see about a 180 of the lower half of campus oh, from yeah. the top bunk of my room, and the duck pond was illuminated at night, Sweet. and the, the light shone on. It was beautiful. So, Oh, my gosh, that's cool. Well, our guest today is Chris Hatcher. Emory and Henry, tell us what your class year is, Chris. Well, uh, I'm 2010, and then I'm again 2015 as well. Did you get your? Did you get a different degree, or did you get a master's? Yeah, I got a master's. So I got a, a degree in um, mass communications as my uh, bachelor's, and then I got a uh, master's degree in education in 15. The reason we want to talk to Chris today is because I found out sort of accidentally that he has got a really cool job right now. Tell everybody where you are right now. So I'm living in Bangkok, Thailand, or as the locals call it, Bangkok. We actually mispronounce it. I'm learning a lot of different pronunciations from countries around here that, you know, I, I learned today or, or yesterday that uh, uh, Laos is, you don't pronounce the S in Laos. It's just Lao. So. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh. Yeah, I didn't until yesterday. So We do a lot of stuff wrong. I want to know <laughs> this. I'm just going to jump in with the most obvious question. How in the heck did you end up in Bangkok? Yeah. So... And, and great on the pronunciation right away. But thank you, thank uh, you very much. What, what I did is uh, I was uh, living in Northern Virginia and back in 2019. And I went over to a friend's uh, pool. He invited me over. And I saw this really pretty lifeguard up on the stand who was doing a uh, um, foreign exchange uh, for the last term of her uh, college degree. And I just said, oh, I think I want to talk to her. And I did, and it didn't go too well. Uh, or, you know, I kept myself in the game, as they would say, but, you know, I had to beat down a door for about a month, and then finally she agreed to a date with me. And then three years later, we decided, you know, it was time that we finally got back together physically because uh, we were separated for two full years because of the pand pandemic. Oh, God. And, oh, yeah, uh, I guess so. Yeah. Because she, because her visa expired uh, near the end of 2019. And, I was set to visit uh, on March 10th of 2020, which was the first of five trips that got canceled as yeah. a visit. You know? uh, so finally, I did get to come see her at the end of 2021. And then I came again at the beginning of 2022. I'd saved up a lot of vacation time and uh, actually missed Christmas. I had to preempt Christmas and, and do it early with my folks so that they would be still okay, you know, and then... Uh, <laughs> so they wouldn't disown you? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then uh, and then I came back, I started applying for jobs here when we decided it was easier for me to get here than it was for her to get there. So, you know, I'd wanted to teach again for a while. I, the pandemic changed the nature of my previous job where I, I couldn't go and see people all the time. Well, tell as much tell us what, what were you doing in Northern Virginia? What was your job sure. up there? Yeah, uh, so I kind of both by accident and honestly, and also completely 
not anything I'd studied for because I don't even I think took maybe one science class in college, but I was selling microscopes, which of course my dad sells and services microscopes. So he knew about a job that had come open and it was a, a guy that I knew working summers for him that uh, was retiring. He had just, they'd found his replacement. He had worked an extra three years for this company to be able to, you know, retire. They bought his contract and they knew he was trying to retire and she quit after about two, two weeks, I think his replacement. So they were really trying to like up the pressure. Like we got to get somebody soon. Yeah. And uh, cause he was, he was trying to retire like years ago, you know? And, and so he suggested me and I applied for the job kind of out of left field. I was still teaching at that time, but you I couldn't were, get a full-time job. Where were you teaching in Northern Virginia? So I was actually down in, in Washington County when I was, oh, that, that was back in 2017. Yeah. Okay. Back in 2016 or maybe 16. Yeah. I took the job in 2017. I was just substituting and doing radio for WABN in Abingdon and trying to piece that together into a full-time income, but it, yeah. it really wasn't. History, social stu- studies is, is what my uh, certification was in. And unfortunately, there are a ton of people who want those jobs and they're not, you know, they're, they're loath to give them up. You know, I was not having that much luck on the, on the job front. Um, I was applying all over the States. So I hate to broad. be stupid, but I did not know you had been teaching because when I think of you, I think of broadcasting. Yeah. Well, and I was doing it on the side. I mean, I, I, like I said, I was doing WABN. I was getting to do it in my hometown, which was really neat. I was doing commentary for Abingdon High School for football, basketball, and baseball. And they actually enjoyed probably their most successful period of athletics the time I was there. So great correlation by total accident, you know? <laughs> oh, um, accident? Or was it because you were their announcer? <laughs> I, I I mean, I'm not going to make that claim, but okay. yeah, uh, that's very yeah the, the station director knew that I wanted to do that for a long time. And uh, I had actually interned when I was at Emory for him during the summer, a couple of years. I think I had a big internship that Dr. Keller helped me get for NASCAR, which I have no passion for. I mean, like I've, I've ended up doing a couple of things with NASCAR when I was doing, you know, journalism and broadcast, but uh, on the production side, but they, uh, they set me up for an internship in 2008. It was going to be in Charlotte. And right before the internship was set to begin, they came back and said, Hey, we can't pay you anything okay. this summer because of the, you know, the financial collapse and everything. And I'm like, I can't just move to Charlotte for a summer, you know, and float Did nothing. You know, yeah. three months of rent for nothing. And and it was kind of a, you know, it, it was an internship, you know, it, and right. you, it was kind of like, well, you're the, the backup to the guy who's doing the real important stuff, but it was going to try to get me in the door. So I ended up just interning in Abingdon and I did that for a couple of years, even after my graduation doing board operation work, which is the, uh, the, the lowest on the totem pole. And it's important to learn, but you know, with a no, broadcasting. No offense to board, people who operate the board. We love them. Some people the prefer that. Them. Mm-hmm. And it, and the show doesn't go on without that. I did, ended up doing that for years, even after the fact, when I worked at Sirius XM, I got kind of a uh, cabin fever, I'd say. Because I was sitting there listening to people who, no offense, but they, you know, they were parent volunteers. They weren't paid. And and he knew he couldn't pay me to do it. His company, you know, wouldn't let him. But they were doing the games. And I was sitting there with a broadcasting degree, having done it, you know, semi-professionally, you know, at least. And it, it kind of was killing my soul to do that, yeah, you know. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. I just had to, I had to quit that and, and move on to something else. 
And so uh, I was I was teaching and actually I think the week I was set to start my um, my student teaching, he gave me a call back and said, hey, we can pay now. Would you like to, I mean, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a fortune, but it was but I would have done it. For free. Yeah. You know, I would have done it for free. And he, he just said, I thought it was an insult to ask you to do it without pay, you know. And I, so so I did that for about three years. And then uh, I moved up to Northern Virginia when I took the job um, doing the microscopes in, in 2017, right at the start. And so I worked there for yeah. five years and the pandemic completely changed what that job was. Now, so you're saying it changed it because you couldn't go visit folks? Yeah, because at least for the first year, it was totally turned on its head. I mean, my company even told us, you know, stay home. We don't want you going out and risking, you know, but it. It hurt us with sales. We lost half of our staff that year within a wow. couple of months. Yeah. Um, and then they were, they were a great company to work. For. And I think it, the, the fact that they were, I guess, a small business technically uh, with a few number of employees. I mean, they made a lot of money across the, because they were the official Nikon dealership for the Mid-Atlantic. Yeah. Um, wow. They, they were really great to us during that time. Did you, did you learn all. a lot? Did you feel like it was good experience? For sure. Yeah. I didn't really like the idea of sales. I kind of, I kind of still don't. If it was having to go in and lie to people about your product, I, I would have been terrible at that job, and I would have quit. I, 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 that feels grimy to me. But luckily, from working summers with my dad, I kind of had already developed an opinion that like there are four comparable microscope brands, and they're kind of you know like that. But I, I did. I, I honestly believe that Nikon probably I thought was my favorite of the brands. I went so, in working for Nikon brand and I didn't ever have to lie to my customers when I told them, you know, this is, I think this is the best product. So you got into teaching and that's what you're doing now. Tell us, tell us what you're, what you're doing in, in Bungak. So what I did is we decided, you know, because again, it, it the nature of the job changed. I'm a people person. I like interacting with people. Email's fine. I, I don't have a technological problem and, and phone calls are fine, but you know, I just missed seeing people. I was mostly just at home every day on the computer with the occasional, you know, time going out. Uh, like I said, the first year of the pandemic, they, most hospitals and universities said, don't come in. Mm. And and, let, and then later on, they kind of relaxed that and said, well, only if we've ordered something from you. So they didn't want to be cold called or they didn't want to be right. kind of even you coming in to check, you know, what can I get for you? Luckily, I didn't have to do a lot of cold calls because Nikon was the industry leader. But, you know, it's, it was, um, it, it was just a time where I, I knew I wanted to go back to something I was passionate about, a new challenge. The fact that it was getting kind of difficult for my girlfriend to get over in the United States, absent a 90 day uh, K-1 visa, if, if you've seen the program, 90 day fiance. And we could have, have done not, that. I'm going to look it up now. Okay. It, it, there is a means to get a foreign girlfriend or boyfriend to the States and get permanent residency uh, and a green card by way of marriage and we've been dating for about three years but we still kind of each of us is like we're not we don't want to force that right. you have to plan your wedding and get married within 90 days or and then if you don't achieve that the person who is the is the visitor they actually are expelled from the states and never allowed to return so yeah so it's, it's like it's you kind get of one like, shot you get one shot to get this yeah. done and there's about a, a year and a half to a two-year backlog if you could believe it also, it costs about 10000 in legal fees. We just kind of felt like we don't want to bottleneck ourselves into that. Yeah. She hadn't met my, met my parents yet until just recently. So 
you know, we thought it it went well. Yeah. She was excited about it. She'd met him on the phone and everything, but I mean, the pandemic has caused all sorts of problems of, of, and, and we're not alone to have experienced this, you know, to be apart for so long, but you know, like how can you date somebody for three years without them having them have met your parents in person? Well, and you're, you've complicated things even more by the fact that you're at a place that is 12 hours different. We're, we're, exactly. <laughs> we're doing this very early in Virginia and, and you're, you know, you're just sitting down to dinner here in a few minutes. And so it's yeah, late in the afternoon on a Saturday. So you're teaching English at this school. Talk to us. You were telling me some really interesting things about the school system in Thailand. Sure. I teach at a school. It's called Thai Singapore International School. It's actually a Singaporean curriculum. It's in, uh, like th- that. That's mostly the Cambridge system. A lot of British teachers uh, at the school with us. They actually, that's a huge preference for them here in Thailand. Actually struggled for a while to get any kind of serious job offers where the pay would be enough. I mean, I took a big pay cut to come here. I took about mm. half my salary, but of course it it is much cheaper to live here, even though it's a world city. So any world city you go to, it's still going to be more expensive than the rest of the country to live in, you know, in, in a right. huge city. Like it's about 20 million people oh, wow. all told in the, in the area around it, you know, included. It's a, it's a really interesting school for me. It's a trilingual school. So they, all the children, I mean, I don't know how early they became trilingual, but they are fluent in English, uh, Chinese, and Thai. Wow. Yeah. So I, they you, always act. That's gonna say, you said there's like about 1,500 kids at this school? Yeah, there's at least 1,500. I know that they're pushing uh, admission. They're, they want to get more and more. So I, I don't actually know the, the real number. It's between 1,500 and 2,500, but it's, that wasn't really made clear to me. Um, I teach a class of 26 or 25 students. So oh, that's um, a good size. And, yeah, it's, it's not a bad size. Did, so did all children have access to education in Thailand? Yes and no. I mean, there there are some people who, who are on the fringes of society, just like anywhere else in the world. Although in the United States, of course, they would have, you know, public schooling here. They, you know, they don't really necessarily have access to that or at least beyond some point. Like they can drop out of school earlier, I suppose, uh, when they don't have to continue into high school. Uh, there are some people that I've seen that like they'll work for their parents you know, uh, and, and drop out, you know, to help with the business and stuff. And they have to pay for and They have to pay. Yeah, they do. So uh, it's, it's like my girlfriend, uh, she's from Northern Thailand, uh, Northwestern Thailand. And she had two schools in her hometown, uh, which I think is about the size of Johnson city. She, she seems to think it's smaller, but I don't know. I, th- I think it's, it's somewhere between the size of Abingdon and Johnson city. We'll, we'll say that. And, uh, <laughs> anyway, they had two, yeah, yeah, right. And they had two schools. And so, you know, her parents basically had a choice. They could send her to A or B. I assume there was a tu- tuition difference. And so the, they chose the one that they did uh, because it had English as a, as a language. Uh, and English is important because so many countries. Yeah, it's, it's interesting here because I don't know that I ever saw going to a country to live where English wasn't the predominant speaking language. I mean, I I speak Spanish pretty fluently, but I don't speak any other languages other than a couple of words. And so I, I'd been here as a tourist, so I got a little bit of a flavor for that in terms of the fact that most of the population speaks 
some English, or at least the, in, in the like service industry. And so it's kind of like they, they um, I mean, all the signs, all the, the public transit is both in English and Thai, and they're two really? entirely dissimilar, dissimilar languages. So there, there's, there's no carryover whatsoever. But you're able to function and live there without having to know? Yeah, I mean, I had to learn some Thai. And, I, and I'm still learning and I'm not great at it. I mean, I can count to a thousand. I, I keep forgetting the word for a thousand. So, uh, so she's so told if me. A, if a police officer ever pulls you over and says, I need you to count, sir, you got that. Well, so actually I don't drive, but I, I have driven here on vacation before. And it's different because they drive on the opposite side of the road of, as us. Right. Uh, which was an public, experience. Right? Public transportation? Yeah, and it's excellent. It is. Wow. It's so much more efficient and reliable than and and better than the DC metro system. So, so you're teaching English. You're in this this con- this exciting country. Do you get to travel and see some other places while you're there? Yeah. So they're kind of on the year round school schedule, which means that when we do get breaks, our breaks are pretty sizable. The break that I just got in December was a month long. I was able to travel back to the states, and as, as you know, uh, my grandmother passes how. You, I think, found this out. And so yeah, we were I'm actually so flying. Well, it, she was 94 and it was, know. you know, my, my girlfriend got to meet her and I got to see her on the last day of her life. So it was kind Bless of your perfect. Heart. The point of that is to say we had to, it, it delayed us getting back. We had to change all our flights. Yeah, the travel, you know, we were able to do that. The other months, we, I think we have two, I have three weeks at the beginning of April. And then I have or two and a half weeks. And then I have a month in the summer as well. So I think my parents, their plan right now is to come over in April and we're going to travel to some of the beach destinations again in the south of the country. Yeah. Oh, that'll be fun. Well, it's exciting to hear what you're doing. And it, yes, it is a very long way away from, from Emory and Henry for certain. <laughs> Do you think you'll stay there? Do you think you guys are going to get married, stay there? We have some different opinions on this, but... but Look, uh, I've, just dug in, I've just dug into something I had no, no we, business we talked about. We talk about, we actually, it's pretty funny. Our apartment has a pool. And uh, we have all our, our serious conversations in the pool. You know, we kind of take, <laughs> are we okay? Is it financially we're doing okay? You know, what's our plan long-term? We, it's kind of our meeting place for that. She, you know, wants to get out. I think that's the thing that everybody in, in the world or, you know, grown up and you have the identity of place, but at the same time, you want to go see something else, experience something new. You know, she loves it in the States. She's not necessarily married to that idea of, being in the states, but she she'd like to go back to the states and, and live eventually. I like it here. I also like it in the states, but I I'm kind of flexible on that. This is good for us for right now, but I think probably in a year or two we're thinking maybe move back or maybe move somewhere else. You know, but it's 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 a fun experience for right now for sure. Well, was was your trip to Virginia and so yeah. she'd actually been twice before. She'd been to but only in Northern Virginia. And that's the re- the other reason that she hadn't met my folks yet because she doesn't drive. Right. That's not an ironclad thing here, you know, especially with such great public transit. She drives a motorbike. Yeah, it's a little different. And of course, I ride motorbikes to work every day off of the off of the public transit. So so what did so what did your girlfriend think about our mountainous part of the state? Well, she liked it. Uh, the interesting thing is, and I think you brought this up, but because I mentioned it was hot. So it's it's 90 plus degrees every day year round here with about 50 percent humidity or higher every day as well. Oh so my gosh, um, how do you stand yeah, that? It's, it's sweltering. You you can just kind of you lean into it and you adapt. Um, but 
Did she, she got freeze, a, she, Did she freeze to death when well, she was here? I, she she kind of has this thought that she wants to go live in Chicago someday. She really kind of romanticizes that city. And my family, my mom has said this to her before. And of course, I've actually never been through Chicago other than flying through, but been to Canada and been you know to cold places where it's negative before and yeah. wind chill, you know. And um, I remember when she was in the state, she was she was visiting Las Vegas or maybe it was San Francisco. And it was kind of windy. It was late August, early September, I think, or mid-September even. And, you know, the, the Bay Area gets pretty chilly at night, yeah. even in the summer. And she said that was the coldest she'd ever been at like 50 <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit. So you brought um, her here during, a, sure polar, during a polar vortex. Yeah. So I remember she stepped off the plane in Japan at like 40 degrees. Yeah. In Tokyo. And she said, this is the coldest I've ever been. And I was like, oh, well, this is going to be interesting. So, yeah, she she enjoyed it. It was definitely getting used to it, you know, period. But by the end, I could tell even when it was like 40 degrees out, she wasn't that cold anymore. So you know, she oh, kind of so got used to it. Well, huh? she adjusted yeah, well. Yeah. Well, I want to remind everybody, we're speaking today with Chris Hatcher. Um, who is living in Thailand, and he's given us a scoop on his very cool job. So as we kind of wrap things up, Chris, tell me, what from your Emory and Henry days are you using in your job right now? Well, I always thought I was going to be using communications only. Uh, and they had the the dinner the first night at Dr. Keller's house when I, when I came to Emory, and they kind of tried to tell us, oh, the average is 17000 for a first-year graduate, and you know, and they don't stay in except for like the first year or so. And then they move on to another. I was like, I'm looking around like, oh, well, these people, not me, you know, and it, it was much harder to find work and to, and to find consistent work because also I wanted such a niche job in broadcasting. Uh, you do end up using so much of your college degree, even for the things that you, you things you never even think about where you're drawing from. And I do. I use it. Every day, I use the education one, obviously, every day as well. But it's kind of a, it's always in the recesses of your mind, the things that you learned during college or, or concepts or, you know, in terms of education, I'm going back to things that Dr. Diss taught me about childhood psychology a lot of the times with some of my younger students, you know, so. Yeah. Um, I love you that. use it every day. I love that. Well, and it's sweet to th- it's sweet to think about you being so far, far away and thinking about all those cool Emory and Henry faculty members that you had. <laughs> I, I, I do I think about that uh, daily. And I even told him stories about some of the professors I had, Dr. Roper and Dr. Morgan. And at that age, they I tell them a story like that and they kind of just glaze over, you know. Yeah. But And now you know how they felt when you look like that in class. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, we wanna, we're going to wrap up here in just a minute. But tell, tell me what you would say to students back home, back in this in this region about traveling and about seeing the world and about getting a job overseas. I would recommend to do it as early and as often as you can. I really wish that I had done it more. I missed on some opportunities out of kind of thinking I'd always have more time and more you know chances to do it where I was really looking for a very specific thing from a trip or with, with Mass Tom, especially I was you know trying to shoehorn some things in to get internships abroad and stuff like that. I, I, w- I would really recommend it. And I mean, I don't know. I guess it depends on how adventurous and open you are, but I would say even to those who aren't, open yourself up. You got nothing to lose. You're, you're going to find out. I've I've reset. We we like to play power rankings, food games, and power rankings. Everything, my friends and I, we do kind of so power what rankings. Do you mean, food. No, wait, what does that mean? Power ranking food like, games. Well, like in sports, you you would rank like 
the top teams in the NBA or the top teams in college football on a number basis, one to whatever, you know. Yeah. And so they call them power rankings. They're released like every week, every day. They're it's kind of a it's a humorous kind of topic for me because anybody can publish them and they're all subjective, you know. And uh, so anyway, uh, I I power rank everything, you know. It's, I, it's a fun game for me, and I've got my top, you know, five food cultures. Has completely been reset since I've started traveling. I love and, that. So uh, give us uh, your top, top five now. Japan is number one. Mexico is number two. And I've never been to Mexico, but, you know, Mexican food has a special, like authentic Mexican food has a special place in my heart. Have you been to Japan? Yeah, but actually only in the airport. So I uh, <laughs> <laughs> top two. Here I am talking about world travel. I've never been to them, but, you know. They, well, and, and I love that you you picked Japan. You've only eaten at the airport. So that's, you exactly. know, that was, that's a good airport. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My third, I would have to say, is Korean. We just ate at a Korean barbecue place today. Again, it's my favorite restaurant. I didn't even know the name until today, but we'd eaten there a bunch of times. Uh, also, they do fruit smoothies here incredibly well. I mean, the fruit is amazing here. The mangoes, the watermelon. Do, do they have a big agricultural community? Do they grow all that there? Yeah, there. It's a big agriculture is a big part of it because I mean, about ninety percent of the country is rural. So, okay. um, there there's only about two or three cities with over a million population officially. Mm-hmm. So it is it is a big rural. I mean, there are pockets of cities all over, but they're it's not like they, they have one world city, you know, yeah. which is on top. So all right, so yeah. Japan, Mexico, Korea, and what's the what yeah. the last two? The last two would be Germany and five is either Spain or Thailand. It's going back and forth, you know, so, so it's uh, the U.S. not even on there. Not on the top five, although I will say I, I do sneak a couple of comfort hamburgers from McDonald's here uh, quite often. A lot of oh, people yeah. have kind of physically asked me, you know, like, well, you know, do you have McDonald's there and stuff like that? I live yeah. next door to a McDonald's. It's as close as I've ever lived to a McDonald's. We have KFC across the street. KFC is bigger here, you know, in Asia than it is in the States. So, all right, well, we're going to, we're going to wrap up and, and let you get back to your dinner and I'm going to get yeah. back to my morning here in Emory, but Chris Hatcher, thank you so much for doing this with us and telling us all about what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we, it was a pleasure. Hard, well we might not see you at homecoming because I'm, I'm going <laughs> to let you off the hook for that, but we hope to see you next time that you make it back. Sounds great. I'll be home for potentially even a month we'll see uh back in in next summer so thanks everyone for listening today our guest today has been christopher hatcher coming to us live from highland for goodness sake and we're grateful to him and we're grateful to you for listening in today please stay tuned to wehc 90.7 and wisefm 90.5 we're the voice of southwest virginia (laughs) 